The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello and welcome to your favorite hour of the week. This is the Arrowhead Pride Podcast. I am your host, Pete Sweeney. I'm with the player. Barbershop. Sean Barber introducing himself this week and the vlog father, Joel Thorman. What's going on? Not much. What's going on with you guys? Tell me something good. Uh, Friday is 420. What does that mean for you, Sean? Um, in, in, in tribute to my main Ice Cube and Chris Tucker, a.k.a. Craig and Smokey. <laughs> the U.S. is going to um, sell around about $1.1 billion nationwide in pot sales. On Friday? Friday, 420. You are full of fun facts That's all over day. the place. Is, is this is this a new segment? Is this Sean Barber's one fun fact per That's show? A, yeah, that's the we, fun fact, funnest thing of the week. On on Friday is Brett Beach's press conference, so I really wanted to crash it and ask, you know, plant a bunch of, plant, there you go, plant <laughs> a bunch of marijuana-related questions. Now, how high are you on this player, Brett? That that would be the most immature thing to do, which is why we should do it. Yes. We should go. We should both go there and ask Brett Veach about marijuana. Anyway, but that's Friday. Today is Wednesday, so we are talking actually about Monday. So it connects all the days of the week. Uh, a lot of press conferences on Monday. Yeah, Arrowhead Stadium set the record for the loudest stadium in the world. They set the record this Monday for the most press conferences you could possibly have in one day by holding 15. 15. <laughs> that, is, that is actually really impressive. Andy Reid's the one we care about the most. Maybe Mahomes, too. But it was good to hear from everybody else you haven't heard from in three or four months. They started with Andy Reid. They ran out, I guess it was 13 players, and then Mahomes brought up the caboose. So by the time you got to Mahomes, the 22-year-old kid, you're ready to get out of there. You're ready oh, yeah. to get a sandwich. Everybody's hungry. Uh, but it was... An informative press conference session, as you would imagine, with that many people going. First thing you got to talk about is the injury updates we got. There's a lot of Chiefs that ended the season on injured reserve or with their statuses kind of up in the air as far as questions. Chris Conley, Chris Jones with his knee, D. Ford with his back, Mitch Morse with his foot, Spencer Ware with his PCL, a little bit of knee damage. Uh, they all spoke, according to Andy Reid, and what else is he going to say? They're all doing well. Uh, but we did get some specific updates. Uh, first, Chris Conley on his own timetable. Right now, uh, it's kind of 
interesting because I have to not only do what I want to do and what I feel I can do, but I also have to work with everyone else in this building, and that's coaches and trainers. Uh, and so right now I think this first phase is really us determining what all of our goals are right now for me playing. Uh, you know me, I get anxious, but uh, I have to listen to them and do things in the right time. Uh, so I should find out in this first phase what I will be doing for the next phases that come after it. Right. So on Monday, these players had just arrived. So even they didn't have a clear vision as to what they would be doing, because I don't think they were able to even get out on the field yet. They can right now with strength and conditioning coaches, with guys who are doing rehab like trainer Rick Burkholder, but the coaches cannot be on the field with the players at this time because of the NFL. Yeah, it's kind of a weird uh, thing with the phases of the offseason that they have. Like at no point this offseason before training camp will it resemble football. The closest it'll get will be flag football because I think maybe at some point you put on helmets uh, and both offensive and defensive teams can be out there, but until training camp, um, I, I, you know, I, I can't get too worked up about like who is and isn't participating just because it's not it's not football yet. Yeah, we I think so long the, until the season. The league set all these parameters to protect the players, to make it a little bit less um, the incidence of injuries to, to come down. And what you see from strength coaches and conditioning coaches, um, they kind of wear it on their sleeve. It's kind of their responsibility to make sure that the injury levels and the injury bugs don't bite the Chiefs and that the um, from a conditioning standpoint, the hamstrings and muscle strains and all those things um, that a lot of guys face during training camp are kept at a very low level. So, um, yeah, Hollywood Rick Bookholter is definitely going to be the guy in charge of that. He, he, I, this offseason, he got did he got promoted to like a vice v, president VP. He's got a VP title now. Oh yeah, he did get a promo. Man, that's a big time Shout jump out. right there. VP of like sports science, I think was. Or, yeah, it was sports science, I'm pretty sure is what it was. The thing is, he's been with Andy Reid right, forever, right. and so I think. A lot of people and fans don't realize how highly um, Andy Reid takes his opinion, really not only on just medical things, but on football in general. They've, they're very, very close, so that's no surprise to me, at least, for him to get the VP job. I know he's not a name you hear a lot, but it is extremely rare for head coaches in the NFL to allow their head trainer to talk when right. there's specific injuries. When there's a really big injury or something going on, he's the first one you hear from. So I think, you know, it was kind of an earned thing, and there's trust there because that comes with 20 years of being together. And then when we ask Andy about what's going on with that injury, he can just say, go talk to Rick. <laughs> I think that's why he really does it, so he doesn't have to answer it. There are definitely some Andy Reid kind of excuses built in. We'll get that to you is another one of them that comes to mind. Uh, as far as getting back to some of these injury updates, Chris Jones is a little ambiguous on OTAs. Not sure if he's really going to be involved. He's kind of aiming, it seems like, for training camp. Listen to D Ford talk about his injury from last year because I thought it stood out to me. It was a little scarier, I think, than people realize. Listen in. You did try to ride through that injury, so you know, you get the surgery telling me it was pretty, pretty hurting you pretty bad. Oh, my God. Can yeah. you just elaborate a yeah. little bit, like a how? Like where, like how it affected you on the field, like a little bit. Well, just imagine your leg randomly going numb. That's just what it was, you know. And then when the feeling came back, it was pain, you know. So, like I said, I did not want to leave my team hanging. We was on a good roll. We had just beat New England, uh, Philly. You know, I, I couldn't miss out on that. But uh, unfortunately. Well, fortunately, now I feel awesome. So. so his leg got numb, and then when it came back to life, it was pain. Now, remember, this was a back injury. 
That's yeah. not a good sign. Yeah. No, no back injuries are a good sign. Uh, but that seems that seems very odd. And I think we kind of felt that last year that it felt like something unusual was going on because he was out for, you know, kind of longer than we expected there. Uh, but man, you know, it's, 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 uh, I, I still kind of look at this the same way. If he's healthy contract year, time to bank it, you know, time to have a huge year. Like there's, if, if he's ever going to have a monster career year, like this is it. He said he's feeling excellent and they're taking it week by week. Yeah. I'm going to say, you know, I'm going to write this off as being a little bit of a drama thing. You know? <laughs> I mean, he has a dramatic type personality. He sure does. You know, yeah, very artsy and gifty and everything like that. Everything he says is kind of a, uh, a little bit blown out of proportion so the the loss of feelings and the the like phoenix rising out of the ash and having pain instead of feeling coming back into my legs i mean it, it was hurt he, <laughs> and then he they realized he couldn't you know continue the season it's probably in his best interest to shut it down for the rest of the season so um we talk about rick again i mean he, he the one thing that rick does is um i know this from firsthand he has the player's best interest their health as priority one and he will never supersede uh, individual game or victory, and 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 risk guys getting seriously injured. So, um, and that's that's the trust between Rick and and uh, I think Coach Andy Reid and now Veach and all those guys having one another. Rick's when it comes to medical issues, man, it's like he's the voice of God in that room. Yeah, the thing that was interesting about D Ford, I I thought on Monday was he's really rearing to get back on the field, and he yeah. looks like. He wants to have a big season, and he says he feels great, and he, he's going to have a big season. But at the same time, it, it's hard for me to just sit there and say, okay, I believe you, because I've heard this from D. Ford before. Right. We've all heard this from D. Ford before. And, yeah, I know last year was kind of an injury thing, but he's never hit uh, that level of player I think the Chiefs expected him to be. So, yeah, it's good to hear, but I would say take it with caution. Yeah, he had that stretch uh, in whatever I think it was, 15 um, that, you know, he played really well. So, I mean, if he comes out and gives the Chiefs another, like, 10, 12 sacks, like, that's a success, I think. That's that's a pretty solid year for your number two pass rusher. Other injury updates. Mitch Morse, the starting center for this team, he is taking it day by day, wants to be ready by training camp. Day by day in April. Didn't really <laughs> commit to any OTAs, things like that. Spencer Ware, same thing. Day by day, he'll see when the time is right. This is a guy coming back from a really rare injury, you know, with the knee damage. And they, they signed those running backs, too, so I'm assuming they expect Spencer Ware to be out for a little bit. Yeah, so there you go. So those are kind of your injury updates that we got on Monday. It's been a while since we've heard from these guys, so I guess good to hear they're all on the right track. It may not be where you exactly you want them to be right now, but they are on the right they track. They can line up and play, says Andy. Which is probably true compared to most other teams that they're more ready than a lot of teams, Chief, I think. Like, I, I actually buy that. I know he says that every year, but I buy it. Andy Reid on Monday did say that if they had to play to today, tomorrow, they, they'd be right there in the top of the league. And, and listen, I know you have to say that if you're a head coach. You cannot believe that they're ready to go. Uh, I, I think I Relative mean, to other teams, yeah, I think they are, yeah. There hasn't been a lot of turnover. I mean, the, um, the, the only con- concern in that whole secondary from last year to right now is like the, the cornerback position. You just, we don't have two corners back from last year that actually line up and know the calls. But every other position, I mean, the Chiefs are so young across the board. Everybody is in their 20s, 24, 25. I mean, they're, they're just – I don't mean to be negative about it, but, you know, your cornerbacks right now are Fuller, who's pretty good, Nelson, question mark, Amerson, question mark. You don't know who's really going to play next to Barry. Hitchens uh, and uh, Raglan still need time to get used to each other. Chris Jones isn't ready for the field. Chiefs are not ready to go out in the field. Yeah. 
they're, they're deep enough. They have enough depth in those positions to go out there and line up. And I think um, as opposed to other teams, we see other teams have made some drastic – like the Rams, right? The Rams have right. – Half their roster's been turned over net. We we think they make all these great upgrades, but those guys still have to learn how to play together. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I think the Chiefs. I mean, pr- pretty much the core of this team is still stuck pretty much together, except for that cornerback position. The Chiefs uh, have been signing running backs left and right. If there's a running back on the street in Kansas City and you want a job, it looks like just you know go up to the Chiefs' door and say I'm ready to play, and and they'll take Yen Curran Williams as the latest. He played uh, with the Cardinals. He actually had the best game of his career against the Kansas City Chiefs a couple of years back, 100 yards. Kelsey fumble game. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Andy Reid was asked, hey, dude, what is the deal with all these running backs? Here was his quote. We have some guys that were hurt, but in my mind, and obviously in Brett Veach's mind, uh, because he's the one who did this, again, <laughs> blaming someone else. He always makes it clear that Veach is the one signing the guys, not him. You can't have enough of those guys. It's a tough position. And there was availability there, so we figured if there's – a chance to get some good players. Let's go ahead and better ourselves. Let the competition be there and see what happens. I'm expecting Spencer Ware to be back, but you never know. we got kids who can play. There's going to be great competition there. Interesting offense for the Chiefs because the wide receiver order is pretty clear. We all know who the quarterback is going to be. You know, Chad Henney is not really going to give Mahomes any problems. Demetrius Harris isn't going to give Kelsey any problems. But at the running back position, behind Hunt, I don't know what is going to happen here. Yeah, there are, there are like four guys or five guys that all look like they're pretty similar players, uh, like talent-wise. Um, and, you know, that's kind of what I guess in some ways like I expect behind your your uh, workhorse. You know, Kareem Hunt's still going to come in and get like 80% of the carries, right? Like we're not expecting anything different there. Um, and the role that they had last year for that second back was, you know, kind of like shark at the end there as like a third down back, uh, you know, being able to pass block. So somebody who can do that and catch the ball out of the backfield like Kerwin Williams. I mean, I could I could sign up for that as, as your as your number two or number three back, because I also like if Spencer Ware comes back and he's as good as he was the first half of 2016, um, then the Chiefs are going to be loaded. But it's like back. how many of these guys are you going to keep? You can't keep them all. No, you'll keep you should keep three of them. Uh, you'll keep Kareem and Anthony. I got to think, man, Spencer Ware comes back just because they, they have so much experience with him. And then you're looking at, like, Sharkandrick, Kerwin, Akeem Hunt. Like, you'll keep one more of those guys. Damian Williams, too. And then you'll have your, your honorary um, C.J. Spiller position, the guy who's, like, cut every Monday afternoon so that it doesn't count against the Tuesday roster that week or whatever the that game they play. I think this year what's going to end up happening with the Chiefs, though, is that C.J. Spiller position, whoever that may be, he may be he may get plucked. And, like, you may lose that this year. Right? It seemed like last year no one wanted C.J. Spiller other than the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't think anybody, any other team is plucking any running backs. It's such a devalued position. Like, Kerwin Williams, he was available in the middle of April. Sure. You know? Um, so I think a lot of those guys will be safe. Like, it's incredible to look at, like, even where running backs are getting, like, drafted. Like, how, like, the, the curve, it just it's farther and farther back. Well, the one thing you can say, if, when you have a running back who comes out as rookie and does what Hunt has done, um, kind of shocked the world. And it definitely, I think people thought he was going to be good, but not this good. And to be, you know, seemed in the, the, uh, the realm of the top three, top five running backs in the league this year, if you want to encourage him to have a better second year, you have to bring in competition behind yeah. him. He can't let him get comfortable. He has to continue to be pushed, um, not only physically, emotionally, but but mentally. Just let it be known that, hey, it, it, not, nobody's job here is given. Great job you did last year. 2017 is in the books. Now it's time to turn the page to 2018. We're going to have a, a, a stud, a, a roster full of running backs, all hungry, all capable, 
So you got to come out here and, and, and reproduce a lot of those same uh, numbers if you want to be, you know, continue to and get he, your playing time. And he kind of burned out a little bit. I don't know if burns out is the right word, but the production fell off a little bit at times during the season. So I can see that there's like, you know, they actually do need to get him a little bit of a breather sometimes. Another, competition, competition, competition. Another point at the press conference, and I think this was obvious to anyone going in, is because you've heard it all offseason. Everybody is high on the offense, including Mahomes himself. Yeah, I think we can be one of, if not the best offense in the, in the NFL. I mean, we got a ton of talent everywhere. We're deep at every position, and I think – with the offensive line all coming back pretty much and then having a good stable of running backs and having receivers and tight ends that can make plays, for me it's all about just getting them the ball and letting them make the plays. So what's interesting about Mahomes, and I think a lot of people are starting to realize this even nationally, and this kind of came out at the press conferences, during the offseason nowadays, until phase one starts, players are not allowed really to be even in the facility. They can't talk to coaches. and They're supposed to stay away from football. It's all part of the NFLPA. But what Mahomes did, even as a 22-year-old, is he got his receivers together and, and listened to him. He, he went to high school fields to make sure he was getting reps even before the Chiefs regathered for offseason workouts. I think I threw to at least every single guy at least once, and I think that's the big thing that helped out with having guys back and forth from here. And we had group messages going. I had one with the tight ends. I had one with the running backs. I had one with the receivers. I mean, just making sure everybody knew what I was throwing. I would text guys and see if they were in town. And I got, I think, everybody at least once as we've kind of been through this process. Even guys like Kareem and Kelsey. Yeah, and, and, that, and, that, and that's with them. They came back. They would come back in town. And when they came back in town, we'd, we'd get some work in. And, I mean, that just shows how much work ethic and how those guys want to be great and they want to take their games to the next level. Group texts with every position group. Love this. I love this. He's like a CEO, you know? <laughs> You've got all your different departments reporting to you, and you have your weekly meetings. I love that so much. Um, like, I don't want to go overboard on, you know, like a leadership thing or whatever, but, uh, yeah, he does seem like, you know, kind of mature beyond his years. Um, At the age of 22, could you imagine organizing these really grown-ass men and saying, listen, get to a field? I mean, that's that says remember, something. Do you remember when, like, the, I guess – now at this point, it's like seven years ago and the lockout was going on. And it was a big deal that Alex, when he didn't have a contract yet, was getting all of his receivers together to, you know, throw and work out. And they were talking about like what leadership that showed. He went out and had a great season. Like I think of that now, you know, that that's sort of like uh, the, the same sort of thing. He's clearly been like indoctrinated in like the big red way, you know, like I, I, I can feel that already. I think this is who he is. I think, you know, he just likes getting guys together, getting guys around, um, and like I said, this the, the there 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 wasn't a eight nine year veteran receiver who you had to convince. Hey man, come from hanging out with your family and come right. through. That's true. I mean, it's a bunch of young. They all second third year guys. They all traveling and doing this. Hey man, when you back in town, hit me up. Let me know you're in town. We're gonna go up to Miage. We're gonna go up to Lincoln Prep or some uh, one of these area high schools. I'm gonna talk to the coach. Get on the field and we'll just kind of throw. You know, we we'll warm up 45 minutes. Throw some routes. Get our timing. Not a big deal. Like run some nine routes, run a, you know, we'll go through the, the tree route, the route tree, and uh, let me work on my timing, you know, whenever you're back in KC. Did they did they mention where the workouts were? I just said it. It was in high school. So yeah, but do, do we know exactly which high school? Yeah. I, I, well, you, you knew? Yeah, Bishop Miege. Oh, Miege. Miege. Okay. okay, I wouldn't catch that either. I feel like a few years ago when Alex first came on, they might have been at, I caught some wind of them going to Miege. And work yeah, so like in the off season or something like that. I catch up. With oh the, yeah, that's right. Look at that. Show yeah. the camera. I catch up with the guys and they tell me where they're gonna be at. 
for those of you who can't see right now and that are just listening to this podcast, Sean has a nice picture with Patrick. Yeah, me and Patty Cake at the barbershop, cutting it up. You know, so, uh, Were you both getting bit. haircuts or what? Yeah, I was needing one. He just finished one. So that's why I found, found out where they're throwing it. I need to get the Mahomes haircut, I think. Ooh. I don't know if it follows your face. <laughs> so, Mahomes, so Mahomes at the barbershop is a pretty carefree guy? Yeah, man. Everything everything at the bar. I mean, you can let, let your hair down literally um, and just relax in the barbershop, man. That's what we get. You know, you cut through all the political stuff and all the no tensing. We're just, just two fellas, man, talking it up, chopping it up. You know, nice. someone who's excited about Patrick Mahomes is someone on defense and Chris Jones. It's gonna be amazing. We're gonna light it up, baby. We're gonna light it up on offense. We got Sammy Watkins, we got Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, we got a monster in the backfield. Uh, we're ready to take off, man. Uh, Patrick, uh, thanks to Alex Smith. Such a professional guy, man. But Patrick, oh my God. There's gonna be some serious, man. Thanks to Alex Smith, but Patrick, oh my God. <laughs> I love that so much. I love that, man. Chris Jones continues to be the voice of, like, every Chiefs fan. Like, you could go talk to your pal on the street, and he's going to say the same thing that Chris Jones just said right there. You know, it was a common theme, and I think an obvious question. This is the first time we're seeing these players. Mahomes is officially the guy, so everyone was asked about it, and everyone was just overwhelmingly supportive of Patrick Mahomes, and that was Chris Jones, Travis Kelsey, all these guys. They're just super excited, and I think it speaks volumes because I want to think – for Kansas City Chiefs fans and people who follow this team, that they finally have a guy. And not that Alex Smith wasn't. I mean, we loved Alex Smith, especially last year. We called him a new Alex Smith. But it seems like they really finally have a guy. And you're, you're at least I think in my shoes, I think you're like a little cautious because you want to see it over five to ten games. But it, everything seems like they got their guy. I've been on teams before where I've been a linebacker, and we drafted a linebacker. And this guy's come from college. And as a veteran, you're in the locker room like, like, I, I've played four or five years. I've proved myself on the field, and people come in like this other guy's the, the greatest gift, you know, since the greatest thing since sliced bread. But what Patty Cake has done when he got here, he showed it on the field. He just got ingrained. He, uh, hey, I don't know it all. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to learn it all. I'm, I'm excited to get under center. I'm, exci- I'm excited of, of learning the process. I want to break down film in the offseason. It didn't sound like somebody like a prima donna. It didn't sound like an ego on his shoulder. It's like he checked it at the door. I, mean, I just want to be whatever needs to be done for us to win this season. I want to play my role, step in and that Denver game, do what I got to do. So I think all the guys around him are really excited for that, 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 that breath of fresh air, that, that new voice that's now going to be in the huddle. And um, I think he's going to be getting it done at a, at a, at a high click. I think, I think the only red flag is the lack of red flags at this point. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Seriously. It really is true. One, one of the red flags of this offense and something people have kind of been bringing up concerns about is just the amount of talent uh, on offense. And, you know, you have Sammy Watkins, you have Tyree Kill, you have Travis Kelsey. These are a lot of stars in the NFL. Now they have to share the one football. Uh, so, Chris Conley, a guy who could be an odd man out in this whole thing, was asked about how do you remain unselfish, especially when it comes to getting the football? Uh, I think uh, that just comes from consistency, from playing the game in a certain way with a certain mentality. Uh, When there are guys who have been around for a little while in the locker room, you can kind of tell their locker looks a little bit different. There's a little bit more stuff in there. It's a little bit dirtier. Uh, and those tend to be the lockers that people gravitate around when they have questions or, you know, when they go out there on the field, those are the guys that people want to stand by and they kind of want to learn from because they've been doing it for a while. And uh, we've added some of those guys in this locker room, and I think they've been great additions. Those guys don't have ego. Uh, met them and uh, been working with them. I got to work with them today. And I think uh, we're going to have great camaraderie 
And uh, obviously, it's an offense. There's one ball that has to go around everybody. But um, we're going to work and do our best that when the ball's not coming to us and it's in someone's hands, we're still out there working, and we're going to make this offense run. So, so far, so good. <laughs> yeah. In April. No uh, one has any egos. It's all going to be perfect. But Just when like one of these star players, you know, has – couple 10, 15-yard games, and they're still winning. I think that's when people are going to get frustrated. Yeah, um, and I, I do think Big Red, you know, runs a tight ship. Uh, I don't think you're going to see a ton of that stuff get out. Like, over the past couple of years, if players were frustrated, like Kelsey, we should have heard about it a lot more. Um, and while he, you know, Kelsey, for example, while he got frustrated, like it never seemed like he was mad at his teammates or, no. any, or anything like that. So I don't think we're going to see, like, a ton of drama um, just because I think, you know, a bunch of the group's been here for a while uh, and, and they kind of get it. Um, so I expect to see like a bunch of Chris Conley's with answers like that. Well, I think, you know, like with Andy Reid, right. He's such a creative offensive mind. Um, I think it leads to everybody having a, a game plan each week. It can be, you know, it's just a building block. We're going to, we're going to build with this and go to the next and start with Kelsey and get Hunt involved and then get the Watkins, then get the Hill I think they can keep a really, really nice flow of that where on defense you don't know who's going to be the next man up. You don't know who really to prepare for with his offensive game plan until it's halftime. And then he can just make a tweak and go to somebody else. So it's going to keep him super versatile, which I think is going to still light up the scoreboard. But like Chris Conley said, you know, there's a lot of mouths to feed. I got six kids, so I know all about that. <laughs> talking, about, talking about feeding a lot of mouths, man, you know what it takes? Hard work. You got to go to work. That's what you got to do. When you got a lot of mouths to feed, you got to get in there and just grind it out and go to work. One other thing that jumped out at me before we go to break as far as this press conference goes was Alan Bailey. And this isn't a guy who uh, is too loud you know, when he, when he speaks. This is a very short clip. But Alan Bailey was asked about what he wants this defensive identity to be. A lot of people have been hating on the defense in Kansas City, so this was real interesting to me. Alan Bailey on the defense. We just be attackers, you know? Not thinkers, attackers. So, yeah. Not thinkers, attackers. Sean. It's a mindset. I think that's the one thing Beach has said numerous times. We want to change the mindset of what's going on here in Kansas City. Defensively, the mindset, he said, we're going to be attackers. We're going to be the hammers, not the nails. That's what my coach used to say as a linebacker. Every play that's going to be hammers and nails, make sure you're the hammer and not the nail. You deliver the blow. Don't take it. I, I think the Chiefs defense can definitely be better, uh, but got to prove it first. They had too many bad games last year um, you know, to uh, for, for me to completely buy in yet, but – you know, I think it's I think it's possible that they're that they're a you know average defense, and that's you know if this offense is as good as you are making it out to be, you don't need to be better to than average. Bowl. <laughs> you know, if you're if, if yeah, if the offense is top five, like you know many of us think, if you're if you're the twentieth ranked defense, like you have a Super Bowl contending team. Those are your first five takeaways from the press conferences on Monday. We'll have five more, and we'll read your tweets later on in the show. Don't go anywhere. Now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O Rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Welcome back to the Arrowhead Pride Podcast. Pete Sweeney here with Sean Barber and Joel Thorman. And the Chiefs, again, had the longest press conference in history on Monday, so we're going through everything that we learned about your Chiefs from that press conference. Another thing 
uh, that jumped out at me was that Chris Jones said that he lost 25 pounds while Reggie Ragland lost 10. Listen to Ragland on his weight loss. Have you slowed down a little bit? Yeah, I'm getting a little sexy. <laughs> <laughs> How much have you lost? Oh, about 10 pounds. Yep. Um, Ragland is getting a little sexy. How closely does Therese pay attention to these guys that he sees someone lost 10 pounds? <laughs> That's incredible. Also, it's the offseason. Everyone's in the best shape of their damn life. That's I like the way the it works. Reggie Ragland. I've lost weight. I look terrific. I'm wearing a warm-up jacket. That's what an athlete I am. <laughs> Reggie Ragland looked, he could tell a little bit in his face. Chris Jones looked like tiny compared to what he used to look like. And I know you could see the 25 pounds. Well, because he had that, what did he have, the knee scope after the season? So yeah. I'm sure he was limited on some of the things he can do. Well, not not being able fun. to you know, move around and stuff. And um, I look forward to Chris Jones being a little bit lighter, getting off that ball, even quicker off the ball, um, being able to crush that pocket. Um, but I am really excited about seeing Reggie Ragland being a little bit, a little bit lighter, being able to be maybe in better condition. He said um, that he said he wanted to be able to get out in the flats a little bit faster, and that's why he ended up losing the ten pounds. I can, yeah, I, I can agree with that. I think that um, him, him, and him and Hitchens, they're going to be a, a dynamic duo. So um, if whatever, like, you know, we talk about weight all the time, right? Just just because you're two or three pounds heavy, don't mean you're not in condition. It's about being in condition, right? I'd rather him be ten pounds heavier and be able to play four quarters. Then ten pounds lighter, and then get get tired. So right. I just want I want you to be in condition. I want you in shape. I want you to be able to, uh, you know, we talk about that attack attack everything that, that moves type mentality rather than um, worrying so much about your actual you know, how many lbs's you got on the scale. I mean, speaking of Ragland and Hitchens, it should be interesting this year when it comes to the middle of that defense because for the first time, it's not going to be. DJ and somebody else. What is this? First time in ten plus years, yeah. it won't be DJ and someone else. So it's Ragland and Hitchens, and of course they were asked about, you know, have you talked to each other? Have you worked out together? They said they went to the Royals game the other day. I don't know if know if that necessarily is the best source of inspiration <laughs> anymore, but they've been texting for a while and they're excited to work together. And the rapport between those two guys is so important. I, I believe in the middle. So it's good to hear that they're at least in the off season. You know, getting to be friends and building from there. That'll, and that'll be one of the first things we look at this season is how the run defense uh, improved up the middle because that was one of the biggest problems last year. So that'll be, like, identifiable. Like, that'll we'll, we'll be noticing that right away. Key to great defense is always communication. So um, you have to have, a, like we said, we have to have a, a rapport with one another. We have to be able to do hand signals. We, kinda, we, ha- we have to actually know what each other is thinking without even being able to really talk sometimes because the crowd noise and everything gets going. Um, when I make a call and they come out in an exotic formation, we need to know to check without having to confirm and, and huddle about it. We just have to look at each other and say, all right, we know what's going on. I need to see that fire in your eye. You're going to take this. I'm going to take that, and let's go. Um, so the more they can get around each other and the camaraderie, maybe playing a couple games of Fortnite together, do a little <laughs> duo. Fortnite. Uh, yeah, a little Everyone's duo session of Fortnite. Fortnite. Um, that'll help them you know, just keep building, keep building on that camaraderie that seems to be already, already there. And the thing about it I like about it is this organic. It's not two coaches putting you in a room and making you watch right. film together. They're getting out in the community and doing things like that. And uh, those things are going to really uh, reap rewards during the season. You know, DJ won't be there. We haven't really heard where he's going to land if he does land with the team. Andy Reid, of course, said if you don't land with the team, you can come back and coach. I thought that'd be a bigger market for him. I guess he'll eventually end up being a, I would say, training camp tryout. I'm sure these like types of guys, yeah, they just wait till the week before camp and bring him in. Sure. So that'll happen with DJ. But Ragland was asked about DJ, you know, because he's no longer here, and, and Ragland's the guy now. So he was asked, what did you learn from Derek Johnson over that year? I'll just be a pro. Just be kind and courteous to people. That's how Derek was. 
to everybody, I felt like, and just, just keep studying the game and just get it down to how he knew it. Um, I knew it was things that he'll just blurt out by just seeing the formation and out there on the field. So, like, I know he just spent some time in the game, but I know um, eventually I'll keep playing long enough, I'll, I'll be able to get like that. I mean, that's a good person to model yeah, nice yourself guy. after. Uh, I'd give him a hint. On oh, every third down, yell screen draw. <laughs> that's my. That's my. I that's learned, a, that's I learned very kind that. of you to give a hint to. I, I, I learned that from a wise, wise linebacker. Um, uh, my, my first year, Ken Ken Harvey for the Redskins. My first. Uh, every time he got off the field on third down, he would tell me, third down, screen draw." Um, and half the time, he was right. Ken Harvey isn't that a former Royals player? Oh, man, former Redskins. No, but isn't there also a Ken Harvey that's also a former Royals player? Our listeners will know this, the Royals fans one. Well, speaking of the Royals, I thought another interesting part of the press conference was Dustin Colquitt. And, I mean, that's the punter, so you're not going to get a ton from the punter, but this is a guy who's been here for years and years, is actually a Royals fan, and he mentioned the Royals when asked, listen, did the playoff loss this year sting a little bit more than usual? This one stayed with you a little longer. I think they all do. Anytime you have high expectations like that going going in uh, to a season, you feel like you know it's this is our our kind of sixth year now where coaches are saying we have our base, we have these guys, and they're constantly trying to groom and try to make this that push. Whatever you, know, you see the fourteen Royals and the fifteen Royals, whatever they did to kind of make that last push, whether the bullpen or whatever it is, we're trying to do that to fit all these guys into this piece that, like, we're there, we have the guys, we have the coaches. How do you make that last push to make us you know, have a parade as opposed to watching a parade? I think it's a decent point because these past few years, slowly but surely, it's been building into, okay, are we a Super Bowl team? And they've been close, but always something happens right at the end. I feel like that's been the story the last, like, three seasons. The Patriots lost, the Steelers lost, and then last year, those were all years where you thought the Chiefs could have realistically made a deeper run than what they did, and you felt like they reloaded the next year. So, like, you know, sort of like the, the, the defense, I'm like, prove it to me. You know, show me, actually, that you can make the next step. Because uh, it seems like that they, they, they're knocking on the door. They should be right there. Um, but what's you know what's going to be a thing that puts them over the top besides signing Cueto like the Royals did? <laughs> Not to be a broken record, but I was I keep going back to the fact that you know week one and week two I saw the best team in the field, and it was it was it was the Kansas City Chiefs by by, by a large margin. Um, I think um, it's just that you have to play well at the end of the season in the NFL. No matter how good your your season is, come to playoffs, you got to find a way to generate enough success, enough points, enough defense, get off the field, whatever you got to do on both all three phases um, to be playing your best football at the end of the season, playing playoff football every year. That's the team that ends up winning the championship. And that's something Alan Bailey said, and I don't have the sound for it, but Alan Bailey himself said, you know, we got beat up as the year went on. At the beginning of the season, they were a lot healthier than they were at the end, and that makes a huge difference, especially – with the parody. Yeah, the and that's, that's luck. Like championship teams, in addition to being oh, yeah. play, playing well at the end of the season, like also their you know, quarterback doesn't go down. Their top pass rusher is fully healthy. You know, like there's uh, a bunch of lucky health things that happen. For <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, another thing that happened to the presser, Kendall Fuller, if you remember when he was traded uh, from the Redskins for Alex Smith that night, had no idea what was going on. He was asked about that. It was, I mean, it was a funny night, honestly, but, um, we kind of seen it come out a little bit. Um, I think I ended up calling my agent because it was. They said it was like an un- unknown player in the trade and stuff like that. And I called my agent. I'm like, hey, like, 
Like, am I in the trade? He's like, nah, we haven't heard anything. And I think that's when I came out, started tweeting a little bit. And then maybe like five minutes later, he kind of just called me back like, nah, like, you might actually be in the trade. <laughs> I think when he called me back, I was like, all right, well, shoot, let me get off of social media then. And then uh, just took it from there. Fuller added here, he loves the system fit with the Chiefs. One thing that stuck out to me was the fact that he said a lot of the terminology is the same here that it was at the Redskins. He was working with Eric Berry. Berry was trying to explain things to him. He says, I already kind of get this already. So that's a huge that's a huge sign, the lack of transition there. Definitely. And like we said, that communication is one of the most pertinent parts of uh, being a successful defense, being able to communicate, being on the same page. Um, I, I also know what it's like to travel from D.C. to yeah, you had a couple teams to, to, to Kansas City. Uh, although I went, I went via Philadelphia to get here, but um, it's it's a little bit of transition. The, the culture is a little different. The uh, the fan base is definitely business, a little bit different. Um, DC area was just very corporate. The stadium was just they only cheered at the end of the game. They yeah. only cheered every third down, and the rest of the time it was like a ghost town. That was you were playing at the old stadium. Playing? Oh uh, no, we were still. At, uh, it went to the whatever it's called um, FedEx FedEx Field when I played there. So we moved from RFK to FedEx my first season. But um, it was it was just a very corporate fan base. Everybody was just waiting for third down to cheer, and then end of the game, last two minutes they cheered, and then to come to Philadelphia and you get here when it's even the national anthem. It's just a, it's, it's the start of the it's game. It's a party. It's a party. I mean, the parking lot, the barbecue, the smoke billows. And it, it, it started off an hour before the game. And it was like, it's, it's time to go play. And it was just right. a whole different environment and here. K- Kendall Fuller is only, what, like 24? So he doesn't know what he doesn't know. Right? He's 22. Yeah. yeah, 22. Yeah, 24. Yeah, so he's just like so young that I don't think this is going to phase him that much. No, it didn't bother him. When you were like 22, wouldn't you have gone and lived in any city like anybody told you to? Like I would have been like, sure, let's pack up and go. <laughs> like, I had nothing else to tie me down here. It's not like it's... 30-year-old Sean Barber with the family getting traded uh, no doubt. here. No, I, I think, yeah, it just depends on, on I think, the ties that you have. I, I, it also depends on, on your family. Usually when you're younger, you don't have any family, you don't have any kids in school. So, yeah, I would say it's an adventure more than anything. He'll, he'll see his brothers on Sundays because they all play in the NFL too. Right. So. Yeah. Sometimes I use, that having a young team is a, is a concern from a team, head coach, general manager. When you're in a big city and you got a bunch of young guys, immature you worry about being in Vegas or D.C. or Florida or New York because you, these young guys just – they you gave them all this money and there's so many opportunities for them to get out. In Kansas City, it's kind of different. It's a whole different environment, a whole different – I mean, you're here to come play. You're here to be a professional. And Coach Reed, he definitely sets the, the mood and, and gets you in the environment to let your personality show a little bit. But you still need to realize you're here to play football. And I think that's something that he's done very well here in the Kansas City market. And to have such a young team all kind of focused on playing football, you're going to see a reap a lot of rewards here on um, this coming season during Sundays. Maybe the most important thing from the press conference, guys, we were wondering what Sammy Watkins was thinking when he tweeted out, I'm a whole different species. I'm convinced I'm not human. I never was. I'm more like an advanced reptilian solar being. I'm very powerful. It kind of scares me. LOL over the weekend. I sent this to Joel. Joel was a little confused by it as well. Here was Sammy Watkins' explanation. No, I just feel like, you know, this world is what it is, and it's a lot of different species, and we're a lot of different species. Um, and, I mean, whether we like it or not, um, we all got some same characteristics in this world. And um, we are different, but we all um, got the same conscience, and we all living in the same reality, but there's a lot of different things going on in this world. Is he a deep thinker or is he just insane? 
We uh, it's one or the other. We've got quite a history with uh, evolution in Kansas, so I'm not sure what he's talking about. Us all coming from reptiles. But. Any anything on this, Sean? No, I got a picture. You know, I, got, I got many pictures, man. All these pictures. This is we're on a radio show. But you know, Facebook Live. <laughs> I can I can I can I can visualize what he meant by saying. Uh, the the you know the, he's the a reptilian solar being sort of being sure um, you know it's just it's just knowing that you know it's just it ain't that big a deal whatever whatever I say and whatever I do right now means nothing the fact that we got months and months till the season comes postseason comes and no matter what we say and do right now if we don't win in the postseason everybody everybody's gonna say the season the, the season's been a failure so. It's one of those things just to kind of put some levity on it. I think he just, I mean, he was just speaking from his heart. His mind was a little bit, you know, maybe he was just wandering around in his mind and saw some creative. I, I hope he's got, I hope he's going back like after that press conference with like his pals and be like, you believe I said that? This is so crazy. <laughs> like they bought it. So he might have lost a bet. When, you know? did, yeah. when did we say the Brett Veach press conference was? What's that? When did we say the Brett Veach press conference was? Friday. 420. That's 420. what I was right. Okay. That's right. Oh, no. Uh, anyway, so those are your takeaways from the longest press conference in history that we had on Monday. Some some things that we learned heading into what is phase one of a long off season. We still got plenty of months to go before the regular season, but here's some insight into who this team will be this season. When we come back, we'll read and talk about your tweets. This is the Arrowhead Pride Podcast. Stay with us. Drink run. Here we go. McCafe coffees, shakes, and drinks. Ain't no thing. You the man. Yeah, that's what they're going to say. Oh, Kevin, thank you so much. We love you. That's right. You the champ. The drink run champ. Welcome to McDonald's. How can I help you? Own the drink run, Kevin. Own it. Now get a small smoothie, shake, or frappe for $2 on McDonald's one two three dollars menu. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Welcome back to the Arrowhead Pride Podcast. Pete Sweeney here with Joel Thorman and Sean Barber. I don't know who's the barbershop anymore. I know you were at a barbershop I reclaimed with, with Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, yeah, if I get to the barbershop, I reclaim You go talk to Mahomes at the barbershop, you can reclaim your name. Fair enough. I think that's fair, too. Right now, we are reading your tweets, and the first one comes from Don Beal at Don Beal 32 Do you agree with Reed's statement when he said this team can go right now and compete? And he says he's seen some holes. Starting safety, cornerback, left guard, rotational defensive line, outside linebacker, and backup safety. But what do you guys think? Yes, they definitely have holes, but if we're comparing it to every other team in the league, then yes, I think they can get up and compete today, right now. Yeah, we have small holes, and other teams have potholes compared to what we got. I mean, yeah, they, <laughs> I like that. I like that. Um, the the draft. A lot of teams need the draft in order to even line up. Um, I think the Chiefs, even without drafting a player, just if we had to go right now, we would definitely be light years uh, ahead of most of the teams in the NFL as far as being prepared to play. Have um, um, some high quality players in every position um, besides that secondary corner. And it's only because we haven't had a guy there to learn the position. I don't think they'd be ready as Reed made it seem, but nine and seven possible. I, yeah, sure. Next Bye. question from Tina Thurman at crazy chiefs. Mom, did Kelsey seem subdued during the press or he seemed the least hyped of all the offense? I know it's day one, but she's kind of right. If, if, I guess this is a fan that watched the press conference, but Kelsey was a little bit more calm than I think in previous years, whereas I think he used to have that Chris Jones type of personality where it was I'm trying to be the showman type yeah. of guy, whereas this time 
he really gave the feel of a leader. And I'm not sure it's be- if it's because of maybe a talk that he might have had where, you know, Mahomes is a lot younger than Alex Smith was. So tra- Travis Kelsey, the age of 29, really needs to be a sure, leader more so than a showman of this offense. I'm sure Andy Reid made that clear to him. I'm sure he's taking it to heart. Um, you know, he's probably old enough and smart enough uh, to realize that it, it is April and that you don't need to be at, you know, uh, firing at 110% like right now and giving it your all in the press conference and winning the press conference. Um, you know, so I think it's just a sign of his uh, maturity a little bit. And when we talk about like somehow when we talk about the Chiefs offense now before Kelsey, we talk about Mahomes. Tyreek, Sammy Watkins, like it used to be all about Kelsey, and now there are like so many other pieces. He's not as much like the single focal point anymore. Yeah, he's like Yoda now. He's yeah. he, he's he's 29-year-old old man. God, the NFL is so weird. <laughs> it is true, though. I mean, but it, I, I liked it. I honestly like seeing it. And because I, I watched him, I came really to Kansas City at around the same time as Travis Kelsey. I watched him. He was recovering from an injury, was a number two behind Anthony Fasano, got to be this bombastic tight end and who's like a showman that was dancing all the time. And now it just seems like he wants to win. It's been cool to watch the maturity of Travis yeah. Kelsey. Yeah. And he produces, which is the bottom line. Yeah. One of the better tight ends in the NFL. Like you, if he's going to be that you'd appreciate, he'd be less like Gronk. Like Gronk is great, but you really don't want Gronk at the end of the day. You just want him to be very good. Yeah. I don't know. I'd team Gronk up with Kelsey. <laughs> I think it'd be kind of it's fun. available. Apparently. The next question from Michael at Michael Estelle. Who is the best starting quarterback in the AFC West heading into 2018? So you have Derek Carr, Phillip Rivers. Rivers, I think, without question. Uh, Broncos have no, Case, Keenum. Case Keenum and then Mahomes. I think Rivers uh, is without question uh, number one. And then uh, I guess begrudgingly I'd put Derek Carr until we realize – Two weeks in, that Patrick Mahomes is way better than Small Hands Carr. I'll go with Derek Carr. Just to... you think Derek Carr is better than Rivers? Yeah, yeah. Rivers ain't won nothing, man. Rivers just he puts up a bunch of points. He throws a bunch of interceptions. He got this little sidearm delivery. He's been he's 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 been living off the shoulders of my man, um, the tight end, for years now, and just because nobody can cover that sucker. Gates. Yeah, Gates. Keenan Allen. You know, we got, we got Gates Barbecue. They got a tight end named Gates. He's I don't know. Philip Rivers is almost like the Chiefs franchise a little bit. Always knocking on the door, always pretty good, but never quite elite. Even when he has a good team, they got themselves in such a hole last year that it didn't matter. They were think of how long ago, how long he's been around that it was when they went to like the AFC title game, Damian Tomlinson was playing. That was like two thousand six. That's so long ago. That's a long That's, time. They're older than Derek Johnson. Yeah, and he wasn't. And like you're saying, when, when LT was there, Rivers wasn't even the folk. I mean, he was putting up a bunch of things, but it was it was the it was the it was the LT show that was getting them um, deep in the playoffs and stuff. So Rivers ain't did nothing. I'm not counting him. I'm going with Derek Carr. Come on, the best quarterback in the AFC West is Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Patty cake, make shake. Michael Waters at M1T3W. At what point in the schedule do you want the Chiefs to travel to New England or Pittsburgh early in the year, middle, or late? Remember, the schedule is released on Thursday at 7 p.m. Arrowhead time. So when do you want the Chiefs to travel to their tough teams, New England and Pittsburgh? Earlier on, middle, late? I'll take one early, one late. Like I'm, I'm more interested in seeing one late just because like Sean was saying earlier, it's important to be playing well, like late in the season, like to go out and have like a huge road win in new England in December or Pittsburgh. Like I think that gives you a lot of like confidence. And I mean, last year showed you don't necessarily want your hot game early because it seemed like the the chiefs peaked in week yeah. two. 
Really? It, it did. It did like. Yeah. I mean, but that also like you had that in the back of your mind, you know, all season long. Like, if we go to New England and win, we can go win anywhere. Like, I wonder if that had like some value. You know what I mean? Hey, I like the value of playing them early. So I'm gonna go with week one and week two. I'm taking them back to back, starting off the season. Like I said, I, th- I think you really want the chance for Mahomes to begin his career yeah. as a starter, zero and two. Huh? Yeah. No. <laughs> what are you saying that for? Why don't you try to slap me that Trojan horse, man? Try to feed me some. <laughs> got me, got me saying, yeah, got me all yeah. Where is Estot, by the way? Oh man, listen, Estot <laughs> is gonna make in his pen. He's gonna make he's, a, a, he's a regular season edition. Yeah. Uh, Louis G. L. G. Suarez asks, I hope we can get more pressure on quarterbacks in this coming season. Do you see a good year for Jones and Ford, or does our pass rush need help? I think they certainly address it in the draft. Yeah, um, and it's they're in kind of a weird spot because they addressed it in the second round, uh, you know, last year too with uh, Tano Passigno. Man, I don't know. I go back and forth, and oddly, I think it comes down to like D Ford needs to have a big year because I don't think you're going to get like Justin Houston isn't going to be that much better at age, you know, thirty or whatever it is at that point. So uh, I, I think your pass rush is banking on. Um, is banking on D Ford having a big year. And we talk about the pressure up front for the defensive linemen. I feel like that we talk about that every year, yeah. but there's only so many pressures you can get up the middle like that. I got one name for you, Harold Landry from Boston College. Is that your guy? That's my guy. An right. eagle. Market. Boston College. You love these East Coast guys. Hey, man, he comes off the rock like no other. He's got <laughs> Ben, got Flex. Plays what like- happens if they draft him and they still got the Rova? They can both be on the field together. <laughs> Yeah, man, this is the youth They're movement. Bringing D back after this year, so this is the youth movement. We'll yeah. see. I mean, it just depends. What if They're he has a Justin? To what if, sixty million dollar contract? What if he has a Justin Houston type of year? I'm not sure. I, I, he's not having getting twenty two sacks this year. You never know. Justin Wasmuth, the Wazi. I like his uh, Twitter handle. The feeling is the draft will be defense heavy, but would Veach the GM in his first draft? What surprise could you see next week? Take, I think taking an offensive player with that. Well, trading up into the first round would be a surprise for sure. Sure. Um, yeah, I think taking any offensive player with that 54 pick, with the second round pick, I would be surprised at. Um, Therese Paler of the Star uh, linked tight end Jacecki to the yeah, Chiefs. I saw him do that. Because um, you also have to start to think, and this is crazy, but – you know, in a couple of years, Kelsey's going to be 31. Like, it feels like he just came, but 30 in the NFL, like, you're, it's time for you to be replaced. Yeah, I think between tight end and safety, those are the two oldest positions on our on our team. Um, even though we have, you know, right. Kelsey is a – we would think he's young in this league, but on our team, he's, you know, between Kelsey and the other two tight ends, that they're probably, you know, we don't have any really fresh blood at the tight end position. So, if, I, uh, <laughs> if I'm a voice – of the Twitter mentions and the Twitter comments, if the Chiefs go offense in the second round, we'll be angry. people are going to be not happy. I'm just, I mean. The Penn State tight end is a beast. Whether though. they're right or wrong, I'm just telling you, it's been a common theme for fans this offseason. If you monitor the tweets and the, and the pulse of the fan base, they want a defensive player at, at 54. I mean, it, it's not up to them, unfortunately, for them, but it's, it'll be interesting to see just a reaction of taking a tight end there. It's got to be almost any defensive player. Uh, anywhere on the front seven, I take that at 54. Pretty much anywhere in the secondary. I don't know if I'd love a safety that high, but um, you know, I, I, that's like nine positions there. That go ahead, draft one of those each. <laughs> Matthew Ray Davis at one, two, three. Johnny Park, the leading receiver for Kansas City next season, is who and why? I'll go with Tyreek. Um, I think he's. Uh, uh, 
why I'm I'm guessing. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but Tyreek, just I'd, I'd give him the edge over Sammy, uh, just because he's uh, he's been in the offense um, and has a little bit more of a rapport uh, with Tyreek, um, or excuse me, with uh, Mahomes. So yeah, give me give me Tyreek. I'm gonna go with uh, Sammy Watkins and receptions, but I'm gonna give Tyreek the overall yardage just because. Obviously, when he he has those twenty five yards yard, to catch, yeah, those ninety yard strikes is hard to uh, to outduel him when it comes to total yardage. But that's a good point because uh, if you give him a little room, oh yeah, that's twenty more yards. And yes. they're going to have more ways to get Tyreek the ball too. Like they do so many different things with him too. So I think he's going to have like more fire screens, touches. bubble screens, flare yeah. screens, yeah. reverses. I mean, take two of those, uh, you know, eighty yards next season, and that's you know that'll put you over cheat a piece. The leading receiver for KC next season, Dez. No, uh, I would say Tyreek Hill. I think he's going to take a next step, even as as far as he uh, further than he has already. You know, I think he's an already elite receiver. He may be number one this year. I think in the league, Ronwell Dobbs, Ronnie Dobbs, KC. Considering age and contracts and the future of the organization, are there any QBs in the league that you would take today over Patrick Mahomes? So, considering age, contracts, and future, any quarterback. In the league, for me, I was thinking along the lines of Carson Wentz, mm. but other than that, I, I think, don't know. I think you have to eliminate Wentz and um, Deshaun Watson just because they both got injured. So, from an injury standpoint, I mean, you, you still have to overcome an injury. Where um, I wouldn't take Watson over Mahomes. Mm. I think it's only Carson Wentz for me. Yeah, um, man, I'm trying to think. Like, but there's also like you know Matt Ryan. It's going to play for another eight years. Like there are the guys, these the thirty-year-old quarterbacks. Like they're going to play until their mid to late thirties. And you do have to ask the question: Is two years of Tom Brady worth? Yeah. Potentially winning a Super Bowl because he's shown he could do that consistently. No. (laughs) How about I say it? No. I'm not sure there's anybody I would definitively take over Mahomes right now. I'd say that, which is which is insane, but it's also even crazier. Is I think that's like, but that's like a little bit like an okay take. I think it's it's just a a little bit of the. It just seems like this this was a Chiefs directive where we've 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 bought in so much, and I wonder if we're just taking the bait that like he's this good or is he actually this good? I mean, he might be. Right. You know, he's great. I mean, everybody else around the league says the same things. My eyes tell me that there are very few red flags. Like, I watched the dude play. You've seen, you've got 20 years of experience with Andy Reid. Like, man, everything tells you that the guy's floor is going to be pretty high. Uh, Joel, you'll enjoy this question. That's why I put it in there. Matthew Ray Davis, the same guy, also asked, what about the Kansas City offense on Madden next year? It's going to be awesome. <laughs> you know, you're a big Madden oh, guy. Oh, yeah. We're going we're gonna to light it up on Madden. I know you're the fantasy guy. We got a Madden guy and a fantasy guy. I'm taking all the Chiefs in fantasy. Uh, all right. Jesse Bates, uh, the Chiefs fan 24. How shocking would it be if the Chiefs take a speed back with great catching ability with the second pick to so continue the all-offense offseason? That'd be so All RBs in a one-year deal. Just some crazy food for them. No, that was, that's, you know, guy, that's not even funny. <laughs> Don't bring up Mr. Jesse up. Bates, what are you talking about? Yeah. No, I think that's impossible. I, I cannot see them taking a running back. That'd be insane. Anywhere, really. Uh, Alex Price, a little bit of a negative question. So, Sean, you might want to cover your ears on this one. Arrowhead Pride has never once practically discussed what would happen if Mahomes doesn't live up to expectations. 2017 started with multiple rookie quarterbacks looking good, but by week 16, early golf parallels closely too. Doesn't have to be Ryan Leaf. What if he's just okay average? What if he plays like Gabbert or just sucks? All of your podcasts and articles just assume he will be the bee's knees. 
but we have seen plenty of huge prospects struggle. You're being unrealistic not to at least discuss the possibility that he doesn't live up to the hype. Was that 140 characters? He, it was two tweets. Oh. So I, I gave him some. I, listen, that we joke about this all the time. It's a like, rare. Actually, it's a rare uh, thought because, like I said just a second ago, everyone is so all in. No, I I think we we have uh, we have discussed it in the sense that like there are no red flags. Like we're right. saying, like hey, like we should see more. Like we you know we we should be noticing this more. Um, and like I don't know what to say. Like that's just the way it is. Maybe like I definitely think like there's something here about this is like our first franchise quarterback and. Here. However many years, like, have, there's going to be like a romantic thing there. I do know? have a tr- clip from Travis Kelsey I didn't play earlier. Just And this is, I think, explains in my own right why I believe. I just don't think Travis Kelsey has to say a thing like this, and he's saying it. I think that it's even stuff that I haven't seen, and that's the ability to make plays. I mean, his, uh, his ability to make plays, the, the throws that he makes um, in practice, um, it's – it's mind blowing, you know. It, it it really is. It's it's hard to explain uh, how good this guy can be if um, if he just gets puts it all together. And it's right now. I think his biggest challenge is just the timing of the offense, and that comes with repetition, an off season program, and getting to know his wide receivers. So I think it's uh, it's going to be fun, and, and at the same time, we're going to have to grow together. What jumps out there? It's hard to explain. Like he's he's seeing things on the practice field. That he can't even explain in words. <laughs> the jump up from like Alex's physical ability, like Alex was great, but the jump up from Alex's physical ability to Mahomes is probably like really noticeable when you're used to catching passes from Alex, like too. Yeah. And the dude throws no look passes. Like, come on. <laughs> I think Alex. You were not supposed to get excited. Alex Price, you need to come to St. Joe's during oh, training camp. I knew you were going to talk straight to him. Yeah, come, come, come to St. Joe's during training camp. Look at the camera when you talk, Sean. Um, um, find me. <laughs> Somehow find me. Uh, I'll be wearing some bright colored clothes. Find me on a Saturday. We'll sit down and we'll just talk about it as we see practice. We'll see the throws. We'll talk about why these things are uh, so beyond his years and why he's playing at such a high level. But we also, you know, there's a lot of things we don't cover. We don't cover the Browns going undefeated. We don't cover the Browns winning every game. That could happen. Yeah, the Browns could. But we ain't going to spend time um, on the the lottery pick, you know, who can pick the lottery number. I mean, it's a lot of things that, it, it it ain't gonna happen. So the the the, the chances of, of of a patty cake <laughs> being anything but great is uh, slim, slim to nothing. That that is a great question though. That's a perceptive question too. That we've been super positive about Mahomes the whole time. But we acknowledge that that hey, I'm trying not to be in that bubble. I mean, that's one. It's impossible. I'll be that's honest the way with it you, is, dude. I'm stirring Kool Aid. I'll get the Kool Aid. I'll stir it up. We all drink from it. Oh yeah, it's cool. You mean people who have been following my career, at least in Kansas City, realize that I left Chiefs.com to so that I could have a point of view. It's been hard to be negative in any way about this guy. I mean, I I don't like look for reasons to be, but you, I try to tell you the truth and just nothing there so far. The one thing you have is that interception. And Mahomes the other day on Monday said that was the best thing that happened in this game because he got it out of the way. Mm-hmm. Like, he's speaking like a 32-year-old. Yeah, I, I love it. I mean, if you were, if you were going to uh, set up the perfect first year for a young quarterback, like you'd put him behind Alex Smith and make you know Andy Reid would be like one of the like three coaches you'd pick to coach him. And you'd have him sit for a year on a veteran team that it's already really good and has arguably the best weapons in the league. Like, that's the storyline is that it's all so perfect. Like that's, you know, 
Andy Reid like does have some swagger to him too. I think like he, you ask him about this young team, he's smiling, he's like excited for the challenge. I think this is a new version of the Kansas City Chiefs that we have not seen. Maybe at least looking at history, maybe seemingly ever, young and good. Like when is the last time you could say that? Oh three, I'd back say. in oh three. Um, the Vermeil teams felt like. The third year, he had won in his first three years in, in St. Louis, too. Oh, three. Sean, you know something about that? felt like they had a, a ton bit. of weapons, and they could go score on everybody. I mean, that's oh, – three was the last time where I felt like they were so elite on one side of the ball that they oh. could go out and win it all because they were so elite. <laughs> yeah, Sean, it, it, with it a two, knife in the chest right there. Etu Brutus. Etu. Etu. Who was the corner that was uh, – they brought in that year. It was supposed to be really good. Dexter McLean. Dexter, Dexter McLean. 22 yeah. deuces. Flip it. Why are, all the, why are all the Dexters 22? Dexter. I don't know. That is true. Yeah. yeah. Guys, we got one more question from at Cardi Veach. What is the worst case for the Chiefs 2018 Cardi season? Cardi Veach. 10 and 6. Ten, uh, the, the worst case? 10 and 6. Um, I'd, say like, I'd say like 6 or 7 win. Like I do feel like that's like a high floor is like for your first year starting quarterback to go to win 6 or 7 worst games. Worst case is Mahomes – has an injury and you go four and twelve oh, with Henny. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, right. True, true. No, that's absolutely right. No, actually, you think Big Big Red's winning only four games with Chad Henny? Yeah, would take that as his like career accomplishment no. to go out and get this like will this team to eight <laughs> wins, nine wins. Well, I think that could be a surprise in the draft too. And I'm not talking at number fifty four. I would say one of these like quarterbacks, maybe towards the end of the draft, that could be a better backup than what you have right now, like McGloin and Henny. Like, it makes me, and I'm sorry, Mr. Henny and Mr. McGloin, but it makes me kind of throw up, get, like, thinking about if Mahomes were to go down. They gave, them, they gave them both, like, real contracts. So they're both, McGloin and Henny are going to be on the team, I think. I don't know which season it was, whether it was 2002 or 2006, but we go into the season, we got Donovan McNabb, and he goes down. And we have Jeff Garcia. People yeah. thought he was old, he can't throw, he had a noodle arm, can only throw it 40 yards at the max, this and this. And he goes out, and we, we win 10 and 11 games with Dominic, I mean, with uh, Jeff Garcia. Andy Reid's offense is about putting it in the right spot. If you know the defense, I mean, know the offense, and you can put it in the right spot, it, 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 it doesn't come down to those same type of – There's a player in the New York Mets that's available. What is that? Sean just gets a Hall of Famer calling him. <laughs> Sean, you want to tell everyone who, who you're talking to? That's a Willie Lanier calling in. Um, Doesn't he know we're in the middle of the Arrowhead Pride? I, I don't. Podcast? You know what? I told him I'll be done by twelve fifteen, so we ran a little <laughs> bit over. So he's probably in town. We're gonna figure out where we're gonna get for dinner. I just had Carrington calling me. Carrington's not even in the Hall of Fame, so it's kind of weak. <laughs> <laughs> I have, no, play football. I have nobody calling me, so I think you guys both beat me out. But that's a good time to end the Hourhead Pride podcast. It was a good week. We gave you a lot of information. A lot of information came from that Monday press conference. We answered your tweets. And that's it for this week. Follow Sean Barber on Twitter at SeanBarber59. Follow Joel and Hourhead Pride at Hourhead Pride. I am at PG Sween. Thank you for joining us this week for the Barber Shops. I'm Pete Sweeney. This has been the Hourhead Pride podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. 
or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. <laughs>